0: What's up, everybody? This is Stick to Football Bleacher Reports, NFL Draft Podcast. I'm Matt Miller, lead draft writer at BR, and joining me
1: every Wednesday, my man Connor Rogers, the best hair in the business. What's up, buddy? Oh, love that. That's quite the compliment. What's going on, dude? We are finally rolling into the 2019 class in this episode. I know you've been as anxious as anyone <laughs> to not only move on from 2018, but to get to talk about some of the best players for next year. Yeah, I am very
0: excited. So we're gonna jump in, give you our 20. 2019 top fives and kind of talk just surface level for now about the guys that we like. Of course, we're going to start this baby out with some around the league news notes. Then we're going to be joined by our buddy Ryan Hurd, a performing artist out of Nashville. We're going to talk about the Predators. We're going to cry together over it. But what I really want to talk to him about is if the draft is going to be in Nashville next year. He's lived there for a long time. What are some of the the best spots for people to go to? I know that we get asked a lot about even just Nashville as like, hey, having a bachelor party, where should we go in Nashville? So Ryan can fill in some of those gaps. And then we're going to do a ton of draft on draft again this week uh, to close out the show. I love that we did this last week. I think it's a great thing to do over the summer to just jump in and get involved. You guys do a great job sending us questions, whether it's on Instagram, Twitter, iTunes, reviews. So we want to make sure we're carving out time to talk with you guys and, and answer all your questions.
1: Yeah, I think you know it's a good time to do that because a lot of people are curious about players that were drafted to their team players that will be stars in college football next year. And we got a lot of good random ones too. I don't want to give any away, but we got a lot of non football or just funny questions. So there's a lot going on around the league right now. I think one thing that's in, in a draft reaction related one is the Patriots after one injury, freakish injury kind of, you know, plagued season have moved on from Antonio Garcia third round pick from the 2017 draft. a guy that, a lot of people thought they would develop to be a franchise tackle. Matt, what do you think of this? You know, out of a, only a four-player draft class at, from a year ago, there's only two left now. Man, it's it's fascinating, for
0: one. And when the the Patriots this week cut Antonio Garcia, uh, and your Jets actually picked him up, they cut him with a, a non-football injury, yep. had blood clots in his lungs. So it's not like that Antonio Garcia was a bad pick because he, he got hurt and never got to play. I think that's one of those things that it happens after you're drafted. It's just shitty luck. But what I tweeted that this Patriots draft class is straight trash. And people are like, well, they only had four picks. That's my point. They only had that's, four yeah. picks. And as of now, only two remain on the roster. Derek Rivers and Dietrich Wise. Wise is the only one who's played because Rivers his ACL. Connor McDermott, sixth round pick cut. They forfeited their fourth round pick because of the deflate gate uh, bullshit that went on. So it's not just that they've missed on some guys. It's that they only had four picks to start with. And we saw them do that same thing again this year of, "Ah, let's just trade out. And yeah, they had two first rounders. But when it came to the mid rounds and late rounds, they were like, ah, let's just we'll get future picks. Let's just trade down the board. And I think that's why. And it's so funny to me when Patriots fans get on a high horse like everyone hates us. You're the model fucking franchise for all sports. Like I say it's you a guys don't get to be upset. You've I have a teenage child who's not lived in a world where you're bad. Like I can't remember the <laughs> last time the Patriots weren't That's great. True. So y'all don't get to complain because we said your draft was shit. You still almost won a Super Bowl this year. Don't cry about it. Let's move on.
1: Yeah, I went back to our last year's show when we graded it, and, and I gave them a C because of the exact reason you just broke it down, where I like Derek Rivers, I like Antonio Garcia as really a developmental offensive lineman, but when you come away with four picks, you know, you're not expecting a ton out of the later round guys. One was a developmental guy that, listen, the, the blood clot injury is freakish, and he, I've heard he's healthy now, it's going to be interesting to see if the Jets can stash him and develop him because I don't think he's ready to play. He was always a long-term project. Hopefully Rivers comes back healthy, but it's actually kind of incredible how good New England has been when they've had a lot of draft classes like this where it's just a lot of duds. It's a lot of guys yeah. that have made not just, you know, cuz there's guys that you know contribute in sub packages or special teams, but there's there a lot of their guys just have done nothing. And it's incredible how well coached this team is. And how well they do in, you know, lower market signing free agents and, and how amazing Tom Brady is that they continue yes. the dynasty while missing in one of the most important offseason events in all of sports. And the Patriots are an outlier. I, I think
0: people have to accept that. And you you said it perfectly there. Having the greatest coach and greatest quarterback of all time allows you to miss. It really does. And it allows you to draft guys like Cyrus Jones in the second round in 2016, or, you know, to, to completely it, you know, take guys that we would say are more like sub package players. Like, do you remember when they took Jordan Richards in the second round out of Stanford? Yeah. I don't know that he's actually played a snap and like they took uh, Gino Grisham in the third round in 2015 out of Oklahoma. He hasn't done anything, but then they get Trey flowers and it's like, ah, well damn, that guy's actually really good. And you, you pick him up in the fourth round. So you're right. It's like the Belichick is really good at, at he'll hit. And when he hits, it's huge. But there are a lot of misses. I mean, you can go to uh, what's the draft dot com and pull up the Patriots drafts. And you're going to see a lot more misses than hits. Uh, and, and I would say even compared to just a normal team. But Belichick's such a good coach and he's great at the low key free agent signing. And Brady's the best quarterback of all time. So it it makes everything look pretty easy when you have those two working for you.
1: Without a doubt, and I think they I think they kind of hit a slam dunk this year with Isaiah Wynn at 23, so maybe they start to reverse the trend when you have to because the window is tightening. I mean, you can never say that with Belichick as the coach, but the Brady window is, you know, let's be realistic, it's on the three-year plan right now, so you need the instant impact guys, and they went out and did that with Wynn and Sony Michelle back-to-back. So it's just a fascinating—like They are like you said, Matt, they're fascinating for us in the draft world because they are the biggest outlier No other team could miss like they do and and be this successful. So, yeah, it's pretty incredible. Speaking of teams that have missed, we loved their draft this year. But, you know, the Jerry Reese run Giants before that had a lot of big misses. And one of them finally showed up to OTAs and Eric Flowers. Do you really think he's going to start at right tackle for them this year? I don't see any way that happens, man. And I think it's dangerous.
0: For one, I think it's so foolish to say this guy sucked at left tackle. Let's just put him at right tackle. And it's it's not that simple. It's not that simple. Right. And with Eric Flowers, especially because it's about, I mean, it's honestly just lazy technique. That's not going to be any better on the right side than it is on the left. I mean, it's no. Guess what? People are going to load up the right side and they're going to rush that way. Uh, I don't know, man. I think it's really, really like, lacks self-awareness when you get upset because the team that drafted you uh, number nine overall paid you a ton of money. They have to sign someone to replace you because you're so bad. And your reaction is to not show up to OTAs instead of it'd be, if if BR hired a, another draft guy right now, they're like, you know, man, like your stuff's just not been great lately. Uh, we're we're going to bring in some competition. It would push me to work my ass off and be better than I've ever been. I wouldn't take my ball and go home. Like I'm going to be doing everything I can to network and, and make new sources and and just you know like buckle down and do your job better. You when you've been bad, you don't stay away. If anything, he should have been dedicated to be in there at 5 a.m. every day trying to get better. So I think it says a lot about who Eric Flowers is and why he has not been successful, despite the fact that he looks the part and he's a good athlete. It's, I don't think it's ever going to come together for him.
1: Yeah, I think so too. The Giants are in a weird situation right now because they've done a really nice job trying to rebuild this line, you know, drafting Will Hernandez, signing Solder. It Flowers is kind of that weak link now where you can't just hide him on the right. Now I do think Shermer is going to do a really good job, not only running the football with Saquon Barkley and throwing the football to Saquon Barkley, but you can execute a quick passing game in this offense when you do have guys like Odell Beckham and Evan Ingram. So they're going to have to give Flowers help if he has to start on the right side because I don't know who else really will. And that's the but thing. I think that, yeah. yeah, I don't know who else would. It's tough, it's tough to do. So it, it's interesting. But that's you know we're just talking about some interesting O line misses to kick it off this week. The Giants I think can hide that one, but Flowers. I mean. It, the future is not long for him. Uh, I see you have the rundown here. Two really fascinating early, really retiring before their careers ever get started. What? I, and I always botch his last name, but Lo Lutulier. I think I got it there. And KJ yeah. Malone, kind of saying, you know what, we're going to pass on giving a given a tryout for the NFL. Lutulier is interesting because he said he's. I believe he said he's going to get right into coaching. Right. Yeah, and it is interesting, and and this is one of those things you hear about a lot
0: of. It, I hate this phrase because I feel like it it's too broad, but it, it applies. And it's that guys don't love football and like people brought yep. it up with Josh Rosen, which I don't know. I, I don't know, but I know with these two guys, there was a lot of that talk of, eh, they don't really love ball. And I heard that from people at LSU with KJ Malone. Apparently he wants to be like an, an army Ranger. And so, wow. He did like his weekend of camp rookie camp and was like, I'm good. Like He just, and, and that's, so that's great. Like, Good for you, man. I mean, his dad's Carl Malone. It's not like he needs the money. Say. So if he wants to do something as admirable as wanting to be an Army Ranger, I say go for it. That's that's an amazing thing. Um, with with uh, Laleigh, I, I don't know. Talk, talk about a guy who just fell off um, so fast in the last two years. I can remember talk about him as a top fifteen player,
1: and it just wow. it never developed. So it's it's kind of crazy. Well, he I mean, he's Star's brother, so the family genes there, I mean, is good defensive linemen. Let's not be, you know, yeah. get away from it. That's where a lot of the hype started from. But yeah, it just never, you know, he got waived by the Broncos, retired. So, I mean, he'll get into coaching. Some guys also just like being around the game rather than playing it or just realize, hey, I don't think I have a long-term career ahead of me. If you have an opportunity, you never know. There might be a college that's looking to bring him on as a grad assistant, and assistant. So sometimes... That's not the worst case ever. It, it's interesting to see more of these, though. You know, and I, you know, like if you loved on. the
0: game, but you've been beat up, you've had yeah. some injuries, you know, things like that, and you're like, I, I want to be around football but not play it. I get it. Like, I, I totally get that. Um, and, and we'll hopefully it works out for him. Um, but it is notable that that two guys have decided to retire after basically a weekend of of life in the NFL and. And I guess if you're a fan of the teams that pick them up, you're probably just happy that, you know, these weren't high draft picks that decided, uh, like, I'm done. Let's just let's tap out here. Instead, you're getting guys that were, you know, uh, UDFA players that
1: it's not going to cost you a whole lot. So the Panthers uh, sales officially going through nothing too innovative here, though, with this sale. <laughs> no. I mean. <laughs> rich guy buys expensive football team for
0: $2.2 billion. Um, I, I, yeah. I put it on the rundown because I, I kind of like to, as everyone listening to this podcast knows, I kind of like to poke the bear a little bit in the last two days. We've seen uh, sports get betting become legalized. Uh, and now the Panthers sell for $2.2 billion. I thought football was dying. Like, isn't that the thing? Oh, like everybody's I mean, like, "Come on, you're not, you're not have a job in ten years. Football's dead. No one cares anymore. Although the TV deals are are now enormous, and gambling's only going to make everyone richer.
1: And now a team's selling yeah.
0: for two point two billion. The amount
1: of money that it, gambling, legal gambling in football, all of sports, but in football, the amount of money or market share that this is going to blow up. It's insane. So the Panthers are bought by David Tepper. Uh, shocking billionaire hedge fund owner. He was, I believe, a minority owner of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, still is. So obviously he has to sell looking. It. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So he has to sell that. Looking to get in. He got in. Uh, he after, actually offered a little less. He didn't. He didn't offer the most, but was favored by more owners because of his, from the New York Times, substantial wealth estimated at eleven <laughs> billion dollars. So this is not an innovative buyer by any means. It's your classic, you know. Pardon my French, but just extremely wealthy old dude, you know, whatever. So I, what would you, Matt, what would you have changed, though, it, looking at this Panthers? Like, what would you, been your idea? I know it's hard to say. Would you have sold to a more innovative potential buyer? Because not everybody has the money it requires to buy an NFL franchise. But what would you have changed with all this? Or so what right. would you change with the Panthers right now? Yeah, so, like, I don't know if there's a better buyer out there. Like, I don't think what a puff daddy or whatever
0: he's going by these days could have ever put together the type of group to make this happen. And I don't know if the rumors are true about Peyton Manning being involved with this. Um, but that's what I'm most interested to see happen because after Tepper sells his 5% stock uh, in the, the Pittsburgh Steelers, I think we'll get a little more clarity on this and, and there should be a vote really soon on if he's, if, if it is going to be official, but if if Peyton Manning is going to come in as the, the team president, because that is an open role right now because of all the turnover they've had. I don't think Marty Herney is long for that general manager job. I mean, he's an older guy anyway, and it's not like he's been super successful in that role as as GM. So I would say that I would clean house and not with like the coaching staff like they've done fine. But I would say like the the football operation side of things like Marty Herney's probably gone. You know, like I, I think their director of pro personnel is Matt Allen, and that's someone I'm not very familiar with. But I, I would look to bring in a new football ops department. And I, I, you know, it's like, OK, Peyton Manning was a great player. Is he going to be any good running a team? I, I think he's earned the shot to figure that out. Right. And if he's especially going to come in as a minority owner or, or something in that role, that's what I'm really interested to see if that's going to happen.
1: Well, I think what Peyton Manning could really do, even if he came in as a consulting role. Now, I don't know if that's what he wants. I think Peyton would be a guy that feels he's earned, you know, full control of football operations at some at some location. We'll see where that would be. But I think Peyton Manning would understand what Cam Newton needs to be successful. Something that the Panthers have struggled with for a long time. Now, you know, they got DJ Moore. They have Christian McCaffrey there. I know they have some pieces on the offensive line, but. It would be really good to have someone like Peyton Manning that says, OK, this is what your franchise quarterback needs, because I understand his ability on the field. Now let's maximize it. I think that's something the Panthers have struggled with for a long time. And, you know, clearly something that he would be able to bring to a scouting department.
0: Yeah, no, that's a great point. Uh, let's talk about some of those guys he could add, just assuming that they, they're probably not gonna have a top five pick, but maybe they will. It's crazy things have happened. I'm really excited about my top five because like you said, I've been begging to talk about this for a month now. Uh, and I've seen you on Twitter, like really starting to dig in on these guys. And it yep. is no surprise that our top two players are the same. And we have some very similar players in the top five, but I want you to start it off with your number five player. Cause he is just, just barely missed on my list of top five.
1: Yeah. When you look at it, I, it's always interesting to me when I'm watching, For one class and somebody jumps out from another one. This guy is so good. It's Devin White, the linebacker from LSU, former running back. I mean, world-class athlete for the position. Good, you know, pretty good instincts, pretty impressive player on the defensive side of the ball for LSU. So Devin White is so good that I was watching the 2018 class last summer, my first watch, and he jumped off the screen. Because I wanted to watch guys, you know, like Arden Key, like Tolliver in the secondary and Dante Jackson, both of those guys. So that's how good Devin White is, even when I mean, he's been playing for a while for them, even as an underclassman. So if you're looking for a freakish linebacker, I'm not going to call him Roquan Smith yet because. We're not that far into this, okay? Let's not do the hyperbole. I saw some <laughs> wild quotes out there mentioning Ray Lewis already. Oh my! Let's God. not do the insane. Yeah, let's not get to do the insane shit yet. But number five <laughs> for me is Devin White, the linebacker from LSU. People are absolutely going to love him, and he fits the modern game to a T right now.
0: Yeah, and I, I Devin White just missed on me. He's my number six overall player. But um, when I started building my 2019 database, I was looking back at, at notes, and one of the notes I had. Was from watching Arden Key and was like number forty exclamation points like circled like eight times. Everywhere. You know, like he can't everywhere. wait to watch this kid. So my number five player is Jonah Williams, the left tackle at Alabama. Uh, he played right tackle there uh, when Cam Robinson was on the left side. Just technically very very smooth, powerful, has great size. I, I love his agility as well, and a three year starter. I mean, he started as a true freshman at Alabama, so you know the guy's talented, very very versatile. Um, I think he has the chance to be a like this could be the guy that gets us back to, OK, maybe a, an offensive tackle actually goes in the top five and it's worth it because he uh, he just looks flawless to me.
1: Oh, I completely agree. He's a star. I'm going to get to him in a little bit. But I mean, he is he's a, looks like a franchise tackle early on. So number four for me, I'm sticking with that LSU defense. Greedy Williams, their top corner man this lSU secondary year after year after year top prospects greedy Williams it what jumps out to me as an, as an underclassman he is so technically sound it's so impressive he's got ball skills he's physical he's nasty uh, he can match he can really mirror and match with wide receivers I'm so excited to watch this LSU defense uh, you know I got number five and four on my list in the same unit so greedy Williams at number four. Yeah, Not only a great player, a great name
0: as well. Just oh, <laughs> love that corner? nickname, love Ooh. that nickname, man. All right. Number four for me, Justin Herbert, quarterback from Oregon. I've been talking about this kid for a year and it's, it, he reminds me so much of how I, it, not so much as a player, but like how I felt about Jared golf going into his, la, into his last year where it was just like, man, I don't know if anyone's going to be able to unseat this kid as QB one for me j- just because I love the way he plays the game. Um, he, he does need to continue to develop. I like to see, uh, a little more toughness, maybe a little more zip on the ball, but six six, he's probably going to be about two thirty. I think he's a pretty good athlete. I think he has a better arm than Mariota did, and and uh, this isn't the old school Oregon. This is more of a, I, I hate the term pro style, but it's more of a pro style offense. <laughs> yeah. He's going to be asked to do more more reads and make more NFL style throws. I think I think Justin Herbert could be, if it's not a defensive lineman going first overall next year, I think it could be Justin Herbert. Just depending on you know, who has the pick or what kind of trades we see, but he he looks like he could be very, very good.
1: Yeah, uh, just an early take from me, but when you watch Herbert, some of the throws are so effortless, like it was for Goff, where he's in the pocket and the release is so clean and he could just really drop it in the bucket everywhere. So really looking forward to see the steps Herbert can take this year. Uh, number three, the guy you had at five, Jonah Williams uh, from Alabama, the offensive tackle. He's already started 29 games in just two seasons for them. Former five-star recruit. I mean, prototypical. He's 6'5". He's going to play over 300 pounds. He can really get downfield really quick to open up the run game and screen game. I love this guy because we're so franchise tackle starved right now, and I'm rooting for this guy to be that in next year's class as a top 10 pick. And I know McGlinchey was this year, but I think Williams has even more upside than McGlinchey did. Yeah, and I mentioned him as my number five. I love the kid. Uh, Number three for me. Rashawn
0: Gary from Michigan. Uh, you could call him a defensive tackle, defensive end, five technique, three technique, what? He just plays defense and he's dominant on the defensive line. I think he's a great athlete. Uh, Michigan is loaded on defense this year. Like, I, I think two days ago, I was watching Michigan film. Oh my God, we're going to be talking about so many players from this defense, whether it's this year or next. Uh, they they have a, just a shitload of really good players, but Rashawn Gary stands out and is a guy who's living up to all that hype we heard coming out of high school where he was what you know the top overall recruit or whatever it was
1: yeah I mean it's interesting too because early on they've kind of played they've kicked him outside I would like to see what he can do consistently as a three tech when you look at his build I mean not to be this guy but I've stood next to Ray Sean Gary at the airport and he should be playing interior d-line let's just leave it at that he's that big he's not a guy on the edge so I'm excited to see what he does this year because, like you said, Matt, that Wolverines defense, they're going to have players all around, yeah. especially up in that front seven. So, number two, th- this is, let's just kill the excitement right now, right? Number two <laughs> and one for me and you are exactly the same because these guys are so damn good. Ed Oliver, number two for me, the interior D-line from Houston. They play him at nose tackle. They play him at shade nose. He's, listen, he's 6'3", 280. Most guys that build don't play nose and shade nose. They play three tech and five tech. This guy is that explosive, that fast, that strong. The Aaron Donald comps are not as crazy as you would think. Yep. Let's just say that I want to see what he can do at three tech. Cause I think you'd be talking double digit sacks. He takes on double teams from the nose tackle spot. He just shoots through gaps in the backfield Ed Oliver is a lot of fun. He won the outland trophy as a sophomore last year. I can't wait to see what he does this year. And, he, it's already his final act. He already said, "I'm coming yeah, out." he's already declared. I love that. Declare early, Ed Oliver, and he might win the Heisman. Like, he legitimate. has a chance.
0: Like, it, he reminds me of in Dominic Sue in college, where, and I think it's fair to say that Sue hasn't lived up to those expectations in the pros, despite being a, a very good player. Ed Oliver is great, but is special. Man, that first step is is rare. And, and you, I'm not even going to try to add on to what you said because it was perfect. Number one, though, Nick Bosa. I don't care that he doesn't like Black Panther. I don't care that he doesn't like Pulp Fiction. <laughs> I don't like Pulp Fiction either. I love Nick Bosa. I mean, he's exactly what you want a defensive end to be like. I mean, athletic, smart, strong, tough, uses his hands well, plays with great length. And and because he is, I mean, there's football running through this dude's blood. He understands the game. I mean, he he knows how to rip and get free. You know, his technique is, is like a, a third year NFL player because it's, His whole life and some of it's probably taught some of it's probably just, you know, you're born with it. He just got blessed with great DNA, but Nick Bosa is the favorite to go first overall, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I'm with you there because he plays on the edge and he's already a technically sound edge pass rusher. He's done it at an extremely high level. He's been extremely productive. He could shut down the run. He gets after the quarterback. He could beat double teams. So I know the talk of town right now is his Twitter. I think we'll we'll stay away from making assumptions on character right now yeah. until, you know, we'll, we'll figure out, that out. You know, that's more of post-winter talk right now. I just want to talk about these guys on the field because I don't know anything about Nick Bosa, the person. I'm not going to pretend to. That'd be a waste of everyone's time Especially on off show. a tweet but, about a movie. Yeah, but when yeah. you look at the player... <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, I think it's a horrible take, a horrible take. It, I mean, atrocious. He's wrong, but <laughs> but I'm not gonna kill him uh, for on the field for that. He's the favorite to go number one. I think it's as simple as that. I think, and the big thing is, Matt. It's gonna be so funny. All we're gonna hear is, is he as good as Joey? I Think he's like, better. It doesn't if. If he is as good as Joey Bosa, great. That's a great football player. If he's better, he's going number one. So Nick Bosa, there's your top five from each of us to watch this year. We're going to go into position group previews where we do at least eight to ten guys from, you know, each position over the summer. Hopefully Mello will be on to join us with that, too. Uh, But these are the premium guys. And I'm not going to pretend that I've watched 200 guys yet, but these are the early watch guys where I was like, these five can be superstars. I'm excited for them next year. All right, everybody, welcome
0: back to the show. And we have our only three-time appearing guest. You're like the favorite of stick to football, man. Our buddy, Ryan heard joining us.
2: This is the only record that I have ever uh, owned. So I'll wear it proudly.
0: It's <laughs> all right, man. We've a lot has changed for you since the last time we talked. So what have you been up to?
2: Yeah, man. Oh, uh, we got married, I guess about six weeks ago. And, um, that was cool and went on vacation and came back and started making records again. So, um, it's been cool, man. It's been a fun time to, you know, be in Nashville a little bit more. And then, I don't know, it's a, it's fun to be married and yeah, I kind of like the calm before everything goes crazy toward the summer. So, um, it's been, it's been awesome.
1: That's awesome, dude. How much actual downtime away from music though did you get with your marriage? Are you, I know you're already back in the studio, but how much real vacation time did you get?
2: We got, man, we got two weeks in Bora Bora. So that's like, I had to block, block that out for, you know, like we have to take all of our vacation over like two years, basically at one time. So <laughs> it's like we don't get a lot of weekend and we don't get a lot of, you know, like it's not the same to be at home on a Monday. Like there's, you don't have that like Friday feeling when it's Monday and everybody else is working and it's your day off. So, uh, we, we, uh, blocked out a lot of time and then, you know, it, it is kind of crazy, like coming back and like, I'm did a lot of studio stuff and then there's in the studio right now too. So sort of just kind of in Nashville working. It's, it's, it's really fun though. Cause that's like the stuff that is what you like. That's the fun stuff, like all the creative stuff and the like, kind of living in that world. And then you get to go sell it and go to radio stations and go play shows. And there's much more of a grind attached to that, even though it's fun. But this is sort of the, I call this part, like the candy, like you get to, like, this is the part where every single part of it tastes good. So, um, it's, it's been a really, really fun, like six weeks or so.
0: And the last time we talked to you, you had just, I think had just put out your EP, uh, which was great. And like, I, I, I wore it out listening to it. But you put out, like, a new single right before you got married, and every time I get in my truck now, I feel like it's on. So, you've, like, that's it's amazing.
2: It is cool, man. And and I put that out with my manager, Janet, and Sony, our record label, and we didn't really ask anybody for anything, which is kind of cool to, like, put a song out. And it's really has been, like, my most successful single so far. It's doing really well at XM Radio, and we didn't ask anybody to play it at Terrestrial Radio, but people sort of started picking it up and um, it's just been a really cool thing. I feel like that's the case in most like parts of your life is kind of like when you take the pressure off of something, it it generally tends to thrive. And so like I've noticed that with writing songs for other artists is like, man, if I just kind of try to keep it as natural as possible and not put any pressure on myself or other people or results, like good things tend to happen. So that's like a really difficult thing for people like you and me who are used to just working really, really hard and grinding and trying to make something happen. And sometimes, like, I mean, every, you still work really hard, but you sort of let the results go. Sometimes, it really does. Like, it's amazing what what can like great things happen. Then, so
1: for our first time listeners, with uh, Ryan as our guest, as we said, this is his third time. So go back and listen to the other two. He's a big Titans fan. So, what were your thoughts on this year's Titans draft? Because I know Matt and I loved it. How are, How's everyone else feeling about it?
2: I think everybody, the, the consensus here with, like, you know, all of the radio people that I listen to and talk to and the big-time fans, I, I think it was exactly what we were hoping for. I think they were hoping to get either Evans or Landry in the first round and somehow end up with both of them. Like I and mean, this is a playoff team. It's not like they have a whole lot of like gaping holes to fill. It's sort of like they just need upgrades and depth here and there. And, you know, I think you could use another playmaker on offense, but to like have a first year coach who's a linebacker and a defensive minded coach and come in with two like absolute studs that are both first round projections in the first and second round, man, I don't really think you could ask for anything better than that. To get both of your targets when you thought you were going to get one or the other, that's, that's, that's
0: amazing. Yeah. And we've seen that happen before. Like the, the Cowboys were able to do that the year they got Ezekiel Elliott and Jalen Smith. And then the Jags did it when they got, uh, they got miles Jack in the second round uh, and, and Jalen yeah, Ramsey in the first. That. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. As a Titans fan, I bet. So it, it, it tends to work out. So the Titans had like this great draft. And, and I mean, I know Connor and I were both super excited about it and, and happy for, because like we've all adopted Nashville as our favorite place in the world, but then to turn around and the preds lose to the jets. Oh <laughs> man. I was like ready <laughs> to break term. things. Uh so how was that emotion to go from holy shit we just had this great draft and oh and now it's Stanley Cup playoff time and we had the best record and to get knocked out early.
2: I know this sounds really strange to talk to someone in a southern town about the difference between hockey and football but it was very amazing how little people cared about the draft here really because of the predators. I mean, it wasn't like they didn't care, but everyone who was calling into the stations was like, I mean, I'm watching the draft, but I am thrilled about watching playoff hockey. And it was really cool, man. Like this, I think the difference, I, I grew up in Michigan. So I've been around my family's from Chicago. So I've been around hockey my entire life. I've never played, but it's always been, you know, something that I've followed. And it's very cool to be in like a new market for this stuff. And like, I I think that like the difference is there's like, you know, like when your team is great, everybody's excited about it. But the difference I think is like when you go to an older market, like the fan base might be a little bit more knowledgeable about the sport, but there is like some, like a little bit more of an undercurrent of excitement in places like Nashville and Vegas and, like places where you have a good team and people are thrilled about it and they kind of make their own traditions and they're starting to, and they borrow a little bit here and there, but dude, they've had over a hundred sellouts in a row in Nashville, Tennessee for an NHL hockey team like that. That is unheard of. Like that's I, remarkable. I, it is totally remarkable. And it's so much fun. It's the best ticket in town. Those tickets for the playoff games go for stupid amounts of money. I don't know, man. And, and like, I feel like with this particular series, if you want to like go nuts and bolts, it's like, man, I don't think you can really fault them for losing to that team. Winnipeg was every bit as good as the Preds were, and I think they lost the game honestly in Game One when they just it looked like they were running them, had like forty-eight shots or something, and lost four to one. It was like, geez, that it was a weird game, and it was like a couple unlucky swings, but but truly like this is an awesome hockey town and a great sports town. And they don't really have a championship to like back it up yet, but it's coming. like between, I really do believe in Marcus. I think he, if he can stay upright and get the right pieces around him can, you know, grow into a championship quarterback. And I really believe in the predators and the way that they have. I mean, they're just, they had their press conference yesterday and they're like, we're not changing anything. Like we're going to reload. We're not going to, it's like Alabama almost except you know, like I've never been around a team that got to reload. They just, yeah, they're going to keep their top six and then they're going to shuffle their bottom six. They have three players. They already said, aren't coming back, but they're all fourth line players. And it's like, man, that that's cool. to just like be able to like turn around and go into next year with pretty much the same group. And I don't know. It's pretty, it's a pretty awesome thing to go see. If anyone ever gets a chance to come see a hockey game in Nashville, it's, an amazing experience. You walk out of the arena and you're basically at all the, all the honk, honky tonks and everybody's wearing gold. And it's, it's a really, really cool spectacle.
1: And now the biggest thing with Nashville, at least lately in the NFL news is that they're the favorite to host next year's draft, which I think is the ideal, <laughs> ideal place for it. What do you, how are you feeling about this? You got any do's or don'ts when, when it does get announced and everybody, the masses travel out there.
2: I, I really don't have any don'ts, man. I we got <laughs> I love that answer. <laughs> it's I'm serious. It's 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 we threw I guess the last thing what we kinda had here was the Titans uniform announce, which our helmets are badass. I was thinking something about the numbers, but same. Yep. Uh, but the helmets are amazing. I think they'll end up changing that up at some point in the next couple of years, but they look great like in all the mini camp practices. Um but we did that downtown and there was like 30,000 people or something like that on Broadway
0: (laughs) for a uniform. uh,
2: There's one thing we're really, really good at in Nashville, I guess an entertainment town. We're really good at throwing a party. So, um, I, we had the NHL all-star game here two years ago and I got to go to all that stuff. And it's just really like a first, like a first rate, like town for all of that stuff. And, there's really like, if you come down, it it is so worth the trip. I I hate to show for my own hometown, but it's, it's, it's a great thing. And honestly, like we're not going to get a Super Bowl. We're not going to, you know, there's a lot of things that we're just not going to probably get to do because we're a small market, but I think the draft is perfect for what, you know, we're able to do and what, you know, like providing that experience and that hospitality, like that's, we are perfect for that. I think they they they're talking about doing it on Broadway, but we have like an awesome convention center, too, that's right there. And literally, anywhere you can walk outside from where they're going to do it, it's going to be enormous. I mean, they did it in... Was it Dallas this year? Yeah, Dallas. I mean, I've been to... M- Marin's from Arlington. So, you know, we go there all the time, and I know where the stadium is, and there's not much around it. You know what I mean? There's, her parents' salon is right there. And There's a couple little bars, but as far as like having 50,000, 60,000 people show up, or however many people come in for a draft, I don't know what it is. Like, just think about having that many people come to a place where you can just let loose for three days and not have to, you know, even drive. That's if if they have
0: it at Bridgestone, you're going to walk out. And the it's like three or four blocks just completely lined with bars. And most bars are like three stories of just people playing music and drinking. So it's like, it's
2: hard to beat that. A a giant party.
0: We have to find a a way to get it in our contracts that we'll be there. If if they have to draft the (laughs) national. Well, the
2: other part about Nashville that's cool is like everyone here is a transplant. No one's from here. I mean, they're Whatever. There's tons of people that are, but it feels like everyone's a transplant. So if you go to a sports bar on a Sunday, it is like Skittles in there. It's, everybody's wearing a different jersey. And they have every game on. It's not like going to like a bar in Kansas City and it's all Chiefs fans. It's like, no, it's a ton of different, ton of different people, ton of different fans already here. It feels like, I, I don't know. It just feels like a really... Like there'll be a ton of fans of other teams that already live here going to the draft and then having everybody else come in to watch it. I think, I think it's going to be a great thing. I think, I think Vegas would be cool too. And they obviously need to do something for those guys, but Canton would be, I think an interesting thing, but I think Nashville would be the most fun out of all of those.
0: Yeah. We're definitely both rooting for Nashville and we have to ask because you are a big Michigan Wolverines fan. Your guy, Shea Patterson already getting a lot of buzz from scouts. Everybody's, very excited to see what he can do with Jim Harbaugh. We talked earlier about Rayshon Gary and how great the defense is going to be. So how hyped are you for Michigan this coming year?
2: I feel like every year, I don't know. I don't think they're going to get the benefit of the doubt anymore. I think they're going to be picked like third or fourth in their division from now on. But like the one thing that's been frustrating is having a quarterback for a head coach and then not having anybody who can like snap the ball. Like, and I don't mean to bag on, like, a college kid. I feel weird about, like, ripping on 20-year-old kids, like, whatever. And I feel weird about, like, ripping, like, individual players that live in Nashville because <laughs> now I, like, know, like, they, they might know who I am. And I definitely don't want to, like, run into them on the street if I'm, like, Taylor say Luan. something <laughs> about <them. laughs> yeah. But definitely not him. Did you guys see him at the Preds game with the literally drank a beer out of the catfish.
0: Yes. He's He's a psycho, but I love him.
2: Those guys, they tore it up by the end of that game. They were, they were, well, it was awesome. They put, (laughs) they were the show like that. They were on the TV like four or five times and they were just like slamming beers and Quentin Spain didn't really suit the entire game. It was, that was amazing. But uh, that was a game we won in overtime. But with Patterson, it's like, man, I don't know if he's, you know, a superstar or he can, you know, save a program or literally all anyone cares about is beating Ohio State. But at least giving him a shot to, like, have some sort of consistency under center for one year. If you can't develop the guy, at least we went out and got the best option. So at least that gives me a little bit of hope that maybe we can finally beat these guys in Columbus. But. That's really all I care about.
0: <laughs> that's it's all fun. any Michigan fan cares about is is yeah. taking down Ohio State. All right, man. And Michigan
2: State too. I mean, that's a big deal. Like, right.
0: In state, yeah. Very
2: weird to lose to them consistently, but. Yeah. Antonio, man, he's a great coach. So whatever.
0: He absolutely is. Before we let you go, uh, let everybody know. Like you, you're single. Uh, Diamonds of twine is killing it. Are Are you hitting the road this summer? Where can people come see you?
2: Um, man, I've been in the studio recording more music for some stuff that'll get re- released this summer. And um, that's kind of my next move is like getting even more music out there. So i um, working towards an album release, but, you know, piecing it together still. And it's cool, man. I'm not, I don't have any like heavy touring plans at the moment, but um, eventually, I will definitely, Back out
1: there, so Ryan. If we do a live, if we do a live show in Nashville, you got to be on the panel, dude.
2: I am not get... going to miss that. You, you I'll, you, I'll set it up with you, man. Awesome,
1: there we go. You, Taylor Luwan, is on actually the show. The one,
2: so, like when I said, there are no don'ts. Like. Call me because if we're doing a panel, there it goes. <laughs> okay, yeah, <that's laughs> we'll fair. make it. But we'll make it awesome. Uh, <laughs> all
0: right, that would be uh, it. Would be a blast, and probably a night. We
2: got to get Taylor to get it, to do it too because that dude is a psycho. He, yeah, he's my he's my favorite. I think character in Nashville in sports right now, like that dude in PK, kind of own it right now.
1: You're the three we're hoping.
2: Yeah, oh, that's dude, the three you we're hoping.
0: Yeah. So that now I want to go to Nashville. Damn it. Uh, so hopefully we make that happen soon. Uh, and we'll definitely be talking to you uh, again shortly, man. So congrats on right, the marriage, the, the, everything that you have going on. We're, we're super proud of you, dude.
2: Thank Thanks you for Ryan. having me back on dudes. I'll talk to you soon.
1: So that was our buddy, Ryan Hurd, who is now the only stick to football guest to make three appearances on the show. Pretty cool. Uh, obviously has some awesome music on the way. Already has a lot of awesome music out. Me and Matt are big fans. So hopefully you guys are as well, man. My biggest takeaway from that conversation, Matt, was that we need to go to Nashville. And yeah, do stick to football. I know,
0: and it's that's everyone always teases me because it's like my favorite city to to just go hang out in, and it's like whew, I'm going to make it happen. Like I'm as soon as we're done this talking summer. today, I'm just going to. You know, I always say like it's better to ask forgiveness than permission. Let's just book some flights. Let's just do it.
1: <laughs> I'm down. Let's <laughs> we'll do figure it, it out. Um, but one other thing we have to do is answer draft on draft questions, and we have a lot of them for the second week in a row. You guys have been killing it. This first one from a loyal listener, Richard Royal, aside from Sam Bradford, which quarterback is the worst value for money quarterback in the NFL in terms of their cap impact to productivity? It's Joe Flacco for me. Yeah, it has to be.
0: I mean, I don't know that anyone else is close. I mean, Joe Flacco is like, uh, he's,
1: see the third highest paid quarterback it, it keeps I'll changing pull it up right now it, yeah I, let's just say well it does change a lot so Flacco has really fallen in terms of like the total value of the deal but he's still sit hovering in the top 10 ish
0: that's way too high yeah
1: he's yeah, like the he's, he's in like the nine than, range He's paid more than Aaron Rodgers that's a problem I was gonna say his really average per year over the entirety of the deal is is more than Rodgers which will change very soon but it has to be Flacco. Um, like you said, Matt, it's not really close. I, I mean, uh, man, you know, Ryan not like hurt.
0: Jimmy Garoppolo a got lot. paid off five games, and I know it's like he's you know, he's being paid on potential. And that's my dude, everyone. I'm a Niners fan. I joke about it. Jimmy Jesus, the whole thing. But there is definitely room there for it to be bad. You gave him Same $137
1: and he looked great. I mean,
0: yeah, he did. It could be scary.
1: The problem with the Cousins deal is, and I'm not, I don't even want to really dive into this, but when you fully guarantee a contract, the injury fear becomes even more scary. Right. That's the biggest fear with that. But it's Flacco. The answer to the question is really Flacco. So, okay. Uh, the next one from Jordan Kinneman, Who's your favorite running back in college football right now? DeAndre Swift? Question mark. He would be mine. Uh, yes, uh, at Georgia, he, he's the next
0: guy. I mean, we, we all watch Nick Chubb and Sonny Michelle, and then you'd be like, "Oh shit, who's this other guy?" And I'd say, "Oh well, he's a freshman." So, um, it, just in terms of favorite to watch, it would be Swift on my board.
1: That's an interesting one. Um, Swift is up there. I like the Wisconsin running back that was um, uh, Jonathan Taylor, a freshman last year. Yeah, Jonathan Taylor. I don't know why his name always slips me. Right now, I'm in the mold If this is this is bad, but like when the season hasn't started yet, I just think of like numbers and players. Yes, I can't like just think of every single name of every single running back. Oklahoma State has a running back that I have really liked for a couple of years now, um, and will finally be eligible, I believe, this year. So Swift is a ton of fun, man. He, he really is, is a ton of fun.
0: I like Damian but, yeah. Harris at Alabama.
1: Yep. I like um, quite a bit. Um, Bryce
0: Love obviously at Stanford is, is a name that everyone knows Justice Hill yeah, at Oklahoma forget State. About Bryce love um there's some some good backs uh, and right now we're just talking about them as college players not as prospects but there's some some really good running backs all right up next buddy uh from our guy Ryan Dark wants to know he's curious as to what's called the delay on the free agent safety market with Eric Reed Trey Boston Kenny Vaccaro. is it all politics now I think that's like an interesting wording. It is all politics, but I don't think it's political. Like It's more about the supply versus demand of this was a really good safety draft. These guys are all like, I like Vicaro, but he's probably going to get a short-term prove-it type deal like we saw with the receiver market last year. I think that's where the safety market is. So I don't think it's because Eric Reed knelt. Uh, I, I don't think that's why he's still available. I know he disagrees. He's filed the grievance, and we'll see what happens yep. with that. But I also think... You know, like Eric Reed was asked to play some linebacker for the Niners last year and it did well in that role. So he does have some versatility. I know your jets are uh, reportedly talking to Kenny Vaccaro. I yep. think these, I think they all, a deal does get done, but it, it definitely speaks to just how the league views the safety market right now. And that this was a good draft
1: and last year's draft was good at safety too. So a lot of the needs have been filled. That's the problem is that these guys are good. Okay. Safeties. They're not superstar safeties. So they're not commanding the kind of deals that a lot of the free agents... I, I do think it's crazy. Now, Vaccaro, if he gets signed by the Jets, would probably even take on more of a dimebacker role because Jamal Adams and Marcus May are in place. But that point exactly shows you that teams have been drafting their safeties. So yep. and it's, Eric it's Reed should so be on cheap. a team. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think Eric Reid should be on a team. We don't know what they've been offered, what they haven't been. That's the hardest part. It, the question, is it all politics? I, I think there's some kind of... I think a little bit weighs into it, but it's not that they're being blackballed because I've talked to teams that have had interest in these guys. So it's like they're not being blackballed because there has been interest. Not everything gets reported. That's the thing. So there has been some kind of market for them. It just not, might not be the market they want. So, all right, next from Drew Hall. If you had to draft beer based off of beers on draft, which draft beers would you draft in your top five? How much wood would a woodchuck chuck chuck, if a woodchuck could chuck wood? That's a great question. (laughs) So, I mean, top five draft beers. From draft beer, yeah.
0: Okay. (laughs) Uh, Mine's Boulevard Wheat is my number one, always. Of course. That's like if I walk in somewhere and they have it, I'm usually getting it. Uh, I had a Bell's Oberon Wheat Ale. Sunday night, it That's was delicious. really good, and it's like, it's yep. summer, so I'm more into like, wheats and, and Mexican beers, I had some Pacifico Friday night and it was very, very good with a little uh with some fajitas, that was delicious um, man I don't, I'm not like a huge draft guy,
1: I, I am, but I don't really like venture, I don't know, I don't have like a go-to top five, my top one, I always get Einstock, the white ale, yeah, it's draft. so good, I'll drink, it. yeah, I'll drink anything from six point I'll drink anything from Bronx. I like Fat Tire on draft. I actually had that this weekend down the shore. Uh Kona has Big Wave has an IPA now, a double IPA. I found that on tap uh down in the West Village. So it it's hard question because like you never really know who's going to have what. Like there's things I find on tap and I'm like, "Holy shit, I never thought I would I would get this out of a bottle." Yeah. So, I mean, those are just some my of my My hidden gem parts. is that UFO White. That you showed me that, and I I will now order it if it's there over yeah. anything. So good, man! It's delicious. So good. All right.
0: Uh, next, this one's a lot easier to read from our buddy Dan. 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 Which guys who were drafted do you feel like could make a big impact due to a position change? And I'm man. Like Khalil McKenzie is the only position change guy I can really think of.
1: Well, have the Bucks come out and talked about what they're going to do with MJ Stewart yet? Yeah, I so that's he, a good we one, talked like guys about who are going to play safety.
0: Um, yes. Instead of just guys who are going to play corner. Yeah, um, that, That's that's one where I can see I think he does end up playing safety, and that probably works out best for him. Um, and we talked a lot about that uh, draft weekend because of, of you know, the way they were kind of building that secondary together and, and throwing guys in there. So MJ Stewart would be a really good one um, that I would look at. like. Mike McGlinchey playing right tackle. I feel like he's cheating. You know, to be like, okay, well, that's not that much of a position change. Um, So I I look more at guys like who you know, like Khalil McKenzie, who played uh, D tackle. Now he's going to go play guard. Uh, Those are are more the types of of, like Breland Speaks would be another where he was just a true defensive end at Ole Miss, and now the Chiefs are like, hey, you're going to play outside linebacker, man. So um, you have to, he's going to have to lose some weight or, or you know, completely change his body. Uh, but he could have a pretty
1: big impact if they are going to let him stand up and rush. Uh, I'm pretty excited. I'm rooting for him. He's got a lot of competition ahead of him, but I hope Quentin flowers does well at running back as well for the yeah. Bengals. Yeah. So There's another one that, you know, it might not be with the Bengals because of the depth they have, but he might catch on somewhere in another camp as well, or, you know, on a practice squad as he makes the position change. Um, this one from wide nine football, my pops was a gas station attendant, oil booth operator, oh, toll booth operator, and janitor in his own high school before making it as a pharmacist. What's the worst job you ever had before the you found the one you're doing now? Oh, my I've God. had some bad jobs. So, I know you have,
0: too. <laughs> <laughs> I know my parents listen to this, so I want to preface this that I love my dad dearly, but I worked construction for him twice. And, oh, oh my God. And, like, a lot of it was, I mean, he's thirty three years older than me, uh, it just would outwork me like nobody's business. So even when I was like 15, like I would just be exhausted. I couldn't keep up and it was just, and I would, and that was like over the summer when I would be like playing football. So I'm like in shape and then I would work this construction job and it would just beat the shit out of me every day. So it was rewarding and I learned a lot and I got to spend time with my dad, which is irreplaceable. But it was the worst job I've ever had.
1: Yeah, working for your dad in general is always hard. <laughs> I, I, my dad on the side uh, from being a firefighter had a painting business, which that was easy because it's like over summer it's lazy. But like when he taught me like how to chop wood I was, or split logs, I was like, how do people do this for like seven hours? Yeah. I think the worst job I ever had was one summer when I was a waiter. At, I was up at college and I was living up there over the summer because I was a waiter and I was training for a powerlifting meet. And a side job I took was I had a neighbor who bought a rundown house. And we were digging out his basement because the house was like 100 years oh old. Oh, God. And I, I can't explain to anyone, unless they've done it, how hard it is to dig out a basement. I mean, it is the most—and gr- it was Albany, so it was like 100 degrees in July. That, and it was like shit money. That was the worst job I ever had on top of going and serving people food at night while training for a powerlifting meet. I've had shitty jobs, and I think everyone's had shitty jobs. I would argue that those jobs make you appreciate what you do for a living that you love later on in life. Without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah, and so, I just had, I mean, you know, I worked
0: as a, a an EMT. I worked in a an ER. I did customer service. Like, I had a lot of shitty jobs. Customer to, service, not fun. No. Yeah. No, nope, I don't have the personality for it either. <laughs> That's for damn sure. All right, but he got to turn the, it on and off. <laughs> right, exactly. And the Oreo great listener wants to know what division winners are least likely to repeat next season. And it, I know every year there is like a ton of turnover and it's always the teams that we don't expect. Um, I can see the Vikings not repeating and, and not necessarily because I, I don't think they're a good team, but I just think a healthy Aaron Rodgers all year. The Packers are going to be really, really tough to beat. The Lions are a good team. The Bears are getting better. I would say in the NFC South, I mean, it was wide open last year with the saints eventually winning it. I I think the Falcons are going to be a a really, really hard team to beat this year. So those would be the two
1: that just jump out to me that maybe aren't super obvious. I think the Broncos are going to give the chiefs a tough time this year. And last year was like my off season where I called the Broncos decline. I was like, this team is not going to be very good because I don't believe in Paxton Lynch and the quarterbacks. And now you got Case Keenum who can, you know, do some good things. But I just think that defense is with Bradley Chubb and Von Miller. You're talking five and 11 last year. I don't think 10 and six is crazy this year. And I and I love what the Chiefs have done. But, you know, this is Mahomes' first year starting. I think he's going to be really, really good down the road. But he's technically a rookie. Yeah. Still, and I can so, see the Jags
0: taking a step back, too, man. Um, that'll be interesting because yeah. like we the, just talked about the, like the Titans better. are getting better. The Colts are going to have Andrew Luck back. Deshaun Watson, Watson will be healthy for the whole year. Back. That might be yeah, my favorite so. division to watch.
1: I think so, too, because it's just so tight. I mean, we were just talking to Ryan earlier. People in Tennessee feel like the Titans reloaded and, and believe in Marcus, and they got a good defense, and they got a good head coach. So, All right, this one from Joe N. Nashville. After Falk magically transforms into Brady, how quickly do the Titans deal Mariota? I know <laughs> Mo Lewis Christ. might need to take him out on the sideline. Right? <laughs> Does Mo Lewis have a kid that can yeah, play
0: right now and do it? Right? So yeah, um, I, we we've said before there are a lot of people in the NFL that think Luke Falk is going to be the steal of the draft, and I hope so. But damn, Marcus Mariota is pretty good. Uh, I don't think you I don't think you have to worry about that just yet. But no one said that. Uh, Drew Bledsoe had to worry about that skinny kid from Michigan when they drafted him at 199. That's so yeah, a, crazier yeah, things it's have a good point.
1: I'm not too worried about it, but I, Falk is the guy I want to watch in the preseason and Same. see if he can really cement himself as Mariota's long-term backup. We'll see. Yeah, very, very excited to see Falk.
0: He's just so smart. All right. Oh, a question from Brazil uh, at Victor Tosi one. Love that. What up guys? Big fan from Brazil. My question, do teams ignore slash use less scouting resources on players that are not a scheme fit, even though they are big names? So yes, absolutely. Like you, you'll dismiss guys because of a a size threshold or a scheme threshold. Also, like one of my things that I like to do is um, talk to teams that don't have a needed quarterback. Because they're still going to do background work on guys, but they're not going to go super in-depth. So, you you know, like uh, you could talk to the Chiefs and Niners and Colts and Titans about quarterbacks because they don't have a, a dire need at that position. So they're also more likely to be open with you about how they view those players. But I have reached out before and had a team say, man, we're not watching quarterbacks or we're not watching left tackles look who we have at that position you're crazy so uh, there are definitely times where they're not going to allocate the time and resources to a spot that is already
1: you know, like really filled out yeah totally I mean I think you nailed it it's as simple as that teams are not going to you know because they send their departments to certain games and to do more background in certain areas you only have One thing that's not really talked about enough in the NFL is how desperately scouting departments want more help and more money They feel that more money. The owners, you know, might not give them the budget that they feel like they can succeed with. It's something that nobody really talks about, and it's something that's very interesting. So, yeah, you have to allocate your resources wisely. It's a great question coming all the way from Brazil. All right. This one from Mike Barna, who are some smaller school guys that could possibly draft be drafted in the first to second round of the 2019 draft? I don't. I have a really early list. I don't have any of the, you know, like Marcus Davenport kind of players jumping out just yet. Do you, Matt? Yeah, I have
0: uh, Anthony Johnson, the receiver from Buffalo. I think, no disrespect to Buffalo, I think that counts as a smaller school. We talked. I guess. Yeah,
1: they have players though. They do
0: again. Right. We talked last week about Easton Stick, the quarterback uh, from uh, North Dakota State, and you're right. Buffalo also has Khalil Hodges, the linebacker, who's a good player. Um, and
1: their quarterback has some talent too. I mean, he's, he's raw, big, but he, yeah. he has talent. Yeah, he's big so, and big armed. You know,
0: uh, Western Michigan has a corner named Sam Beal who's pretty good. Uh, and I'm just through. I have watched him. Yeah, yeah he's good. Uh, Western Illinois has a D lineman, Kalen Saunders. So there's like those are some of the guys that again, it's not super super small school. The the two small school quarterbacks that I have some notes on already, Lamar Raynard from North Carolina A&T, and then listen to this name, dude. Buckshot Calvert, the quarterback from oh Liberty. God. Is that not the best <laughs> fucking name ever? It, he's he's QB1
1: on the names team. Yeah. Damn, you have a I just was like, yeah, I have a small list. I don't really have a ton of guys yet. Matt like ripped off eight right there. And, and the finale was <laughs> Buckshot. That's awesome. I, I'll be completely
0: wow. honest. I have notes on 150 right now because like that's my that like is... and that's my goal is by the end of the summer, I want to get through these 150 players. And and That's have awesome. a good feel for them. So, but this is my full time job, so I feel like I should be doing those things, right? So,
1: yeah, I, I can't get over that name, Buckshot. Jesus I know. Christ, All man. right, a Ooh.
0: great question to close this out from Keaton O'Hara: Who is this draft's Hawaiian pizza? I'm not sure what that means. <laughs> to me, it means trash. <laughs> <laughs> so I I I like pineapple on pizza, but I don't like Canadian bacon. So. Is that like the player that I like some things about and not others? If so, it's Baker Mayfield. (laughs) Like, you know, it's like love the player, not crazy about where he ended up because they've been screwing it up for 20 years. So who would your,
1: because you hate Hawaiian pizza, who would your guy be? I do, but I'll I'll phrase it like this. We'll say that he meant the pizza, you know, was good at what it started as, aka the player hated the fit that took the pizza and threw pineapple on it, which is just (laughs) an absolute nightmare. That's a really good question. You know what one I actually think is is a, is not a great fit is Marcus Davenport because of the expectations that will be put on him. Yeah. And when you trade another when you trade another first to go get him and you traded him to really hope for an instant impact, I don't know if you'll get that right away. I think Davenport down the stretch can turn into something. I compared him to Carlos Dunlap. I think that fit is is dangerous. So Marcus Davenport, you're the winner of the uh, 2018 draft class Hawaiian <laughs> pizza award from from stick to football right now, along with Baker Mayfield, the the winner from Matt. So yeah. that's a hell of a question. That is a hell
0: of a question. Um, and I I've heard a rumor that Mello and I are going to hand out some awards uh, on the Friday show. Like, you know,
1: it's do you have a red carpet in the office?
0: <laughs> it's like we need one. This carpet shit, uh, you know, more like how like you know, when you graduate high school, they always do like most likely to succeed, you know, like superlatives. the superlatives. We're going to do listener superlatives for the Friday show.
1: So, that is incredible. Yeah. I don't know. What I could happened. rip
0: off some names. Yeah. That I know will make the cut. Melo went like full Frank the Tank last night and like blacked out and came up with like 30 good show ideas. And I don't that even know why he was still awesome. awake. So we're going to have a lot of fun on the Friday show. Y'all definitely, if you haven't, go to Apple Podcasts, subscribe. Leave us a five-star review to make up for some of the one-stars people left when they got mad about how we rated their draft class. We definitely totally <laughs> okay. appreciate that. Get that BR app, too. That way you never miss out on uh, whether it's videos Connor and I do together, articles, podcasts. You get you get it all when you get the BR app. So thanks to Ryan Hurd. Thanks to Connor uh, for, for really helping put together a great show today. And thank you all for hanging out with us. We'll talk to you again real soon.